This is Victoria Schnipps, and I'm delighted to bring you from Schnipps Broadcasting, The Power Women, a series of interviews with women who have succeeded in their professions and have been inciting us about what they do, how they do it, and how their success was built. And today I'm delighted to bring Liz Luskin, who is the president of the Long Island City Partnership. And Long Island City is on fire with Amazon or without Amazon. So I think you will love the interview. And then I want to remind everyone, on Tuesday, March 26th at 6 p.m., there is going to be a first-time homebuyers expo of everything you need to know about getting your first home right in Queens. The Plaxall Gallery at 525 46th Avenue in Long Island City will be hosting this wonderful expo that will introduce you to what is the role of the attorney in buying? What insurance needs do you have? What are the different emerging neighborhoods in Queens that are best for you to know about? Where can you get your best value? So first-time home buyers need to know and need to be at our Brownstoner Home Buyers Need to Know Queens event. Join us Tuesday, March 26th at 6 p.m. at the Plaxall Gallery. For information to register, go to brownstoner.com slash home dash events. That's brownstoner.com slash home dash events. Brought to you by Paintson, Gotham Brokerage Company, Modern Spaces, and Ryan J. Walsh and Associates Attorneys. It's something that will change your life. Join us March 26th. Hope to see you there. I am delighted to be talking today as my power woman, the president of the Long Island City Partnership, Elizabeth Luskin. But we call you Liz. Is that okay? Absolutely. Because my daughter's name is Elizabeth. So, you know, and she's Elizabeth. So I, I'm, I'm very respectful, but we always know you as Liz. Liz. I'm and, Elizabeth when I'm four and in trouble. Ah, <laughs> you see, I knew there was a piece of that. Talking about when you were four, I knew you grew up in Manhattan. Tell me a little bit about your early years, because I'm such a believer that our DNA is in us, but our nurturing is something unique to us. And how you grew up in your family life. What was it like growing up in Manhattan in the 70s? It was a very interesting time in New York. And it was both a wonderful creative time. It was also a time that the city was falling apart in a lot of ways and being abandoned by a lot of people. And the uh, ethos was very much about social responsibility and social engagement. And, you know, we all thought that we were going to work together for a, a recyclable rainbow future <laughs> that that was going to happen any day. So uh, it was a time of, of, of challenge, but also a time of a lot of um, commitment to the future of the people on the planet. Well, tell me a little bit about your parents growing up in Manhattan. What was that like? 
Well, you know, it's funny. You say that now and people have this vision that everything in Manhattan is all bright and shiny. And it, and it really wasn't, you know. And um, we, my father was a, a doctor and, you know. What kind of doctor? He, my husband was a doctor. Uh, yeah, uh, an orthopedic surgeon. Oh, serious. And so, you know, we had, a, we had a nice life. But, you know, any block you turn down the block, you could be mugged or, you know. You didn't go into Central Park except on a beautiful uh, Saturday or Sunday when you were with lots of other people. You know, now you can walk anywhere you want to in the park, basically. So it was a big city, but you were sort of more constrained as to as to where you could go. And um, but it was exciting. You know, it was a it was a thrilling place in a lot of ways. Well, when you were growing up, there was your mom a working mother or was she a uh, stay at home mom? When I was in, I think, second grade, she went back to school to get her master's of public health, and then she uh, went to work for the federal government in public health, and then eventually did um, uh, consulting in public health and so on, and she also became the president of the Women's City Club, which is a a very um, policy-oriented civic organization that is still in New York City. It was founded by friends of Eleanor Roosevelt and um, celebrated its 100th anniversary recently. And so she, you know, as I, uh, uh, not when I was born, she was a stay-at-home mother, but then after that, she she went back to work and uh, really into civic life. Well, you know, it sounds to me like you grew up with a strong woman as a mother, as a role model. Absolutely. And I think that that does have an impact. I don't care if a mother says it, but you see it. And I think, you know, you have uh, had such a path uh, towards leadership. What made you decide to, after Yale, go to law school? Well, I was uh, thinking about it when I was graduating from Yale. I originally went to be a physicist, but that didn't quite work out. And and I had been thinking about law school, but I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do. And I had the opportunity to work at the Manhattan District Attorney's Office as a paralegal. And I was working on um, uh, white low-level white-collar crime. So our bureau did, I think it was like $2 million and, and under. $2 million used to be a lot of money. Um, and a lot of the cases that I worked on ended up having to be around uh, housing and SROs and things like that. And so seeing how um, the misuse of various housing by uh, people who were either flipping real estate in Harlem or who were trying to illegally harass their tenants out of their SROs to convert them. Uh, I really got interested in housing issues and in uh, the law around that. So I went to NYU Law School, and by the end, I started encountering land use and taking the housing issue into a into a broader understanding of, of how real estate, in terms of um, how the city, the, all the rules that govern what you do in the city and how investment is made, um, housing is a piece of that, but it is guided by those other things as well. So it was a, it was a great opportunity to um, take an interest and then expand it into a broader topic. And then I uh, at the, uh, was able to get a fellowship position at the Municipal Arts Society, which was very involved in urban uh, land use policy and so on, worked on a, a bunch of interesting things, um, including the Riverside South Project, which Donald Trump was involved in. And after that, I decided to go to Washington for a couple of years because 
I realize that New York City is the center of the universe, but uh, so much of what happens, including around housing policy and economic community development policy, involves money and rules that come out of Washington, and that I should go and understand that uh, if I was really going to be effective. Well, let's jump leap. Let's take that leapfrog right mm-hmm. into the position that what year did you start as the uh, president of the Long Island City Partnership? At the end of 2013. Okay, so you've been doing it. You've seen the evolution of Long Island City. And although it's known now worldwide because of Amazon, you know, this has not happened overnight. Tell us a little bit about how you've overseen the really enormous growth before Amazon came on the scene (laughs) and was a a twinkle in all of our eyes. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. I I uh, was at a conference, and this was before Amazon pulled out, but I said to people, okay, a year ago, how many of you people thought it was obvious that Amazon would go to Long Island City? And one hand went up, and I said, and I have board members here. <laughs> but now, you know, everybody's like, well, of course, but that's based on work that's been going on by a lot of people for over 40 years. I mean, the, the, the original ideas to have a, a real commercial center here go back to the 80s, and people have been working uh, steadily, and the economy has been going up and down and so on, but it's never quite clicked. And we've seen enormous growth recently. But again, a lot of that is based on steps that were taken in the early 2000s to change zoning. So or, was the zoning, it, let me just ask you this, Liz. Yeah. was that zoning change that catapulted the growth of all of these well, almost, I guess you can call them skyscrapers being built along the Long Island City uh, mm-hmm. region. Yeah, there was, I mean, there was a, originally starting in the 80s and early 90s, the waterfront, which picked up again recently, and then that, that zoning. And um, the idea was a, really for a lot of commercial with a little residential, but then as the city took off, right, it got nicer, safer, more and more people wanted urban living, the demand for housing became so huge, and the economics around housing are much easier than around commercial. So you ended up, I mean, most of what you see developing here is residential. We but are residential growing. Rental, that's what's bothering me. I'm a big believer in ownership. What happened? Well, it's interesting. There's, a, there's two sides to this, right? I mean, from the point of view of the tenant, we definitely want more condos, and there are more being built, because you want people to be grounded in the neighborhood for the long term. What's interesting is part of why we have a lot of rental is because the ownership are long-term owners. We have the kinds of owners who develop and they maintain they, their relationship with the property, which is great. The ownership they of the buildings. The right, the owners of the building. Yes. We don't have a lot of developers here who are just developing to sell the building. Most of the people developing here are the kind of owners that will stay in the neighborhood, which is great, as, as the building. So it's a, it's a two-edged uh, kind of thing. But as I was saying, we are the fastest-growing neighborhood residentially in the country, but we're also the most or one of the most productive neighborhoods in the state. So when it comes to all of the um, industrial manufacturing, film and television, tech, all those things, we have a huge amount of that. And, um, you know, it's part of what makes this really a city 
within New York City as opposed to just a neighborhood. But, you know, it's not easy for a woman to navigate. I know some of the players in Long Island City, and a glass ceiling is still pretty solid, except I believe you've cracked it. What do you think has made you successful in being able to be there all these years and still have these great relationships? Can you give us a clue to other women that has been your navigating tool around the powerful people you work with every day? Well, um, I think that there's a lot of great women involved out here, first of all, who are peers and colleagues and mentors and everything above. I mean, you're you're in the neighborhood, Vicki, so uh, you're a great role model and someone who has been a great supporter of me and of women generally, and I think that that's been a tremendous validation, and thank you. Uh, there's a lot of great people on our on our board who are really helpful and wonderful yeah, but and just there's in the something community. You, uh, don't great you push leaders. it off on others. I think there's <laughs> something about you that maybe you've learned the skill of working with such high-powered people. Uh, is there anything that comes to mind that can be advice to other women? Well, I don't know if this is so much just ad- advice to women or in general, but I try and approach everybody with respect and realize that everybody has something to offer and to bring to the table and that whether you're the CEO of a company or you're somebody who works on our sanitation crew, um, you are very important. And I want to hear what you have to say, and I want to work with you where I can work with you. And then at the end of the day, what I always try and do to be effective is to find what I call enlightened self-interest. So the only way you get lots of different people to work together is if it works for them. So you have to figure out what different people can get out of a situation and then bring that to the table as opposed to just saying, well, I want you to do X, Y, and Z. It's like, this is a good thing for you to do. It will also be good for other people. And let's find that zone where we can all pick the right thing that works for everybody. And I think that respect and then enlightened self-interest are, are the great principles to use when you're, when you're trying to navigate a complicated um, complicated world. Well, talk about a complicated world. Amazon chose us. And yet now, as fast as they came in, they walked away. And I know there's a big thrust right now to uh, try to show them there is still space for them in our great city. But from your perspective, what made Long Island City juicy for for them to want to come and Amazon want to make their home there? We have developed into exactly the kind of centrally located, live, work, innovate neighborhood that companies, big and small, who are looking for great talent want in today's world because people want to live in that kind of neighborhood. That the you know when I was growing up, a lot of people would move to the suburbs. That was success. Thankfully, my parents didn't. But now, success is being able to stay in a neighborhood, be in the city, and and have convenient access to work in a neighborhood that has great restaurants, great recreation, and also 
though, a diversity of people at different skills levels, not just ethnically, but, but who, because when you're bringing in 25,000, 40,000 jobs, or you're bringing in 500 jobs, whatever, you are going to need people doing all kinds of things, not just the core engineering or whatever. So the fact that we're really well located, we have this mix of housing and business and recreation and, and food, uh, but we also have LaGuardia Community College and Cornell Tech. We have the new gleaming towers. We also have all the great people who live in the NYCHA developments in Queensbridge and so on. Our subways connect us to you know, eight subway lines that connect you from the, you know, to the entire region as well as the Long Island Railroad comes in and you can get to Penn Station, Grand Central in just a few minutes and the airports are there. So all of that is there and it's, there's enough of a there there so that you can experience it now. But part of what Amazon was looking for was a neighborhood that both had what it wanted, but that it could also help shape as it grew to be more of what it wanted. And I think that as a potential tenant here, part of what they offered, and I hope that any future company does the same, is that they really focus on getting their people out of their buildings. They don't give a lot of free food away and free gyms, but they also create their campus, their their building footprints in a way that creates a lot of public open space that really invites people in. And so that was something that was going to be really exciting for the neighborhood. And I and I hope that people look at what Amazon has done in other cities around how they design their their footprint and, and learn from that, that that's a great way for a tech company to connect into a community and make sure that everybody in the community feels welcome and has access to the benefits that it can offer. Well, you know, with Amazon, leaving or staying, I think, and I'd like your opinion, we have about a few more seconds. Will Long Island City ever be the same after this Amazon, shall we say, dance? Well, I look, we are... Like I said, a city, we're not just a small town, and we have our own identity, and people are proud of it, and we have a sense of community, and that will be reaffirmed and renewed, and that's great. I think the world does know about us now, um, and uh, that's a that's a good thing. We, we, we welcome the world to come in and enjoy and help us build this great community. Um, you know, it's uh, there's a little there's a little bruising around, but we're the the same fundamentals that made uh, Amazon choose us out of anywhere they could have gone in the world are still here, and now they're just more people know about them, and we'll be taking advantage of them. Well, I think that's a great note to stop on to say, congratulations, Liz, on all the great work you're doing and continue to do in Long Island City. It's a happening place, and I think anyone who hasn't been there should run over and taste our food, visit our fabulous cultural institutions, and experience the waterfront. All the best to you, and thank you for joining me today on The Power Women. Thank you so much, Vicki, and thank you for everything you do. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to The Power Women. This is Victoria Schneps, who interviewed the president of the Long Island City Partnership, Liz Luskin. Please join me again and make sure that you are tuned in to Schneps Broadcasting and search Schneps, S-C-H-N-E-P-S, on your favorite podcasting app. Keep listening. Feel the power.